Hello, beautiful. I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. Welcome to the show. I am your host and dating coach, Kat Cantrell. The episode that I'm bringing to you today is very special. I invited Nikki Pike to the show because I wanted her to share her story with all of you. She has been through quite a bit and she has overcome adversity and as a single mom, she has a nine-year-old. Uh, and I just feel that her story needs to be heard as a story of inspiration and motivation. And we had this beautiful, um, conversation and I cannot wait to share. Um, I cannot wait to share this with you, but before I go into that, let me give you a little bit of a bio about Nikki. So Nikki, uh, has her own podcast, which is called life as dot, dot, dot with Nikki Pike. And I'm going to read you just a little bit of information about Nikki. So Nikki's journey is one of growth and loss, loss and growth to the point. Sometimes it feels like it's stuck on repeat. Life has knocked her down more than once these last few years, but these challenges, these struggles have led her to finding her way to the person that she is today. Nikki has gone through so much, everything from fertility treatment, divorce, sexual assault, the loss of her mom in 2019, and then her brother in 2020. Her story is about how she survived each of these and is now living her life the best way she knows how, which is one day at a time. So it is my honor to introduce to you, Nikki Pike. Nikki, I'm Hi, so ex- I'm so excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be here and for this conversation. Oh, me too. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, I so just so our listeners know, so Nikki and I have already been talking for like a, a half an hour, and I wish I could have hit record, but I I so Nikki, she has such an incredible story. And, um, is such an inspiration as a single woman who is really carving and, and making her own path. And she has this incredible podcast and we're going to, I will make sure and, and put everything into the show notes, but I'm just gonna, I'm just going to just dive right in Nikki and just let's talk about, let's talk about your journey. So tell me a little, tell our audience a little bit more about your after you went through your divorce and kind of this path as a single woman, because one of your passions is really helping people overcome or to be able to work through having their certain labels in life. And I think that this is such uh, an important message that everyone needs to hear. So can we, can you walk us through kind of the journey of going through your divorce and then kind of coming into your own to the woman that you are today? Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like there's a lot to talk about in there, but if I go back to my divorce, um, I mean, there were labels that I came out of my marriage with. So there were labels that throughout my marriage, I took on that I had been labeled. Um, I won't say by who, but I'm sure people can figure out by who. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really internalized those. And I, I really became a believer of what those labels were. And mm-hmm. it took 17 years for that to happen. It took 17 years for me to believe those labels it took 17 years for me to walk away and realize I'm not those things. I'm not that person. I'm not how other people see me. 
um, or certain other people see me. So as I came out of my divorce, I really had to start viewing myself differently. So rather than those words like crazy and demanding and high maintenance and needy and difficult and all these things that I'd become to believe about myself, I suddenly was labeled with divorced and single. And it was like, oh, are these better? Are these worse? Why are there, why do people always have to slap a word or a label on me? Why can't I just be me? So as I started my journey of unraveling those labels and finding new positive labels for myself, my mom got sick with dementia um, the first year into my divorce. Um, that was 2016. She passed away in 2019 very suddenly. So the dementia did progress quite quickly, but her passing was, she passed in her sleep, which was a blessing, but it was really sudden. None of us, not the doctors, none of us expected it. So it had that sudden and not sudden grief attached to it at the same time. And I had lost people I'd been close to before, but not the level of relationship I had with my mom. My mom was my person. She was the only person in my whole life that ever had my back no matter what I did, no matter what bad choices I made, no matter what came out of my mouth, my mom had my back. She might tell me you can't do that anymore, or that was a bad choice. Like I get my lecture and consequence and all of the good parenting stuff, but she always had my back and I loved her for it. And I hope that I'm now raising my daughter in a similar way. Um, as I was dealing with the grief over losing my mom, I just started to come out of that um, early 2020 and COVID hit and we all have lived that. So I don't need to go into detail on that. Um, and then by the end of 2020, it was like, okay, I survived homeschooling. My business survived. I survived my daughter. Like we are doing well, we did this. And then December 1st, I got a phone call that I will never forget. And it was my dad calling to tell me that my brother had fallen and hit his head and told him call the ambulance and so he did and the ambulance got there and my brother was gone so anyone that has received that call where you answer the call and you're basically told a loved one is gone it changes something on the inside of you and at that point I felt like I had two of those calls and I had lost the two people I was closest to my parents got divorced when I was young my dad moved away and got remarried um, when I was a teenager so I didn't have a strong relationship with him um, I do now, or we're working towards having a stronger relationship now as an adult, but it's, it's taken time and it's taken work and effort on both our parts. But so losing my mom and brother growing up, it was the three of us. And I felt like my family was gone. And I went to, I call it a dark place because I don't know what else to call it. I had dark thoughts. I'd never thought I would have being here for my daughter didn't feel like it was enough anymore. I didn't want to be here without my mom and my brother. Um, saying that out loud just reminds me of the place that I was in a year ago. And I, I don't say that part out loud very much because it's still really hard to admit. I've always thought of myself as strong and resilient and I wasn't, I wasn't anymore. I just, I, I, I literally couldn't. And I talk about that in one of my podcasts where I, I found myself saying the words, I can't a lot. And what I've come to realize is those words mean I can't in that moment. It doesn't mean I can't the next day or the next month or the next year. It's just in that moment. So it's little things like that that have helped me move forward, I guess. And now where I am now, and I've, I've skipped over a lot and we can dive into different pieces of it, but now I'm in a place where a year later, I am still 
sad. I am still grieving. Christmas sucked. My brother's birthday was December 26th. Um, my daughter is with her dad. It, there's no other way to put it. It sucked. There were tears, a lot of tears. Um, but one thing I've realized during this really difficult month of December is I have found my growth in my grief. Mm-hmm. I have found the gift in my grief. And I didn't think I would ever say those words, but I have. And that gift, that growth, it's the last gift my mom and brother gave me. Gosh, I, um, one of the things that I try to teach the women in my life is to, is to reflect on their accomplishments or their achievements, uh, in the previous year to really focus on more about what you've done, not the things that you haven't done. And with one of the things, even being a dating coach, we, I tried to teach women that even though you've gone through these horrible relationships or these horrible circumstances in your life, you have taken some good pieces from that and have grown from those experiences and have learned new things about yourself have learned new things of talents that you may have like your podcast, right. Where you can have these amazing things that bloom from horrible circumstances. Um, so when you, so you have your own business, so you're an entrepreneur, you're a single mom, your daughter's nine. Is that correct? Yeah. And you were going through all of these major life changes, if not changes in your role. Right. So mm-hmm. when we're, a, when we're a daughter and we lose our mother, cause I, I'm, I lost my mom back in 2016. I've received phone calls like that in my life, unfortunately, where you almost feel like when you're going through that transition, it's almost like there is a part of you, like you're changed forever. And it's not just that you yourself are changed, but even that label is changed. Like you're the daughter of someone who's passed away. And that's, so you're having to take on all of these changes in your life, plus raise your daughter, plus run your business, plus, um, go through all of this as a single woman. And that is, I mean, you just, Nikki, seriously, you just take one of those things, <laughs> just take one of those things and put it on to someone's life. And, and that would be a challenge in itself. The fact that you endured all of this in such a short amount of time. Oh yeah. And COVID let's put that on top of that. Um, homeschooling is such you've, you have truly risen from this in, a, in, in, I mean, just from an outsider's point of view, I just kind of want to give you, I just want to give you so much love in this because I'm sure that all of that was challenging and it just, it feels like, I, I love the fact that you're celebrating that you have received these gifts in this way. It's interesting. Um, hearing you say that the big part of me is like, no, 
I, and I can't decide if my dog agrees with you or not. I don't know if you can hear him barking. <laughs> okay. I don't know what is going on upstairs, but he is not happy right now. It's okay. Anyway, um, an interesting thing to me is when I look back on the last five years, I see so much struggle and I see so much pain and I see so much despair. And I forget to look back on the last five years and see the trip I took to Iceland to ride Icelandic courses around the Hekla volcano that I did by myself. I forget to see that I run a business, that I have a daughter. I forget to see, I went to Portugal in August during COVID, not that that's necessarily what everyone should do. Um, you know, I went to Portugal and rode Lusitana horses on the island of Fayal. And I look at some of my podcast, I look at these things that I have accomplished becoming with my brokerage and my business. Um, we get recognized for a different amounts of mortgages. I'm a mortgage broker. So different amounts of mortgages that we do. And I was always in the top 20% of the national brokerage that I hold my license with. And of course I wasn't 2019, 2020. Like I just, I had some off years in there where I still ran my business, but I wasn't running at the same level. Um, and in 2021, I hit that accomplishment again of being top 20%. So it's like, I'm back in the top 20. I've done two solo trips. I took my daughter to Hawaii. I've been to Costa Rica, been to Mexico a few times. I started a podcast. Oh, and on the 26th, my brother's birthday, I bought a horse. So I, I need to give myself more credit as my point. Instead of focusing on the days I stayed in bed and cried, instead of focusing on the days that I, I didn't think I was going to make it through, I need to focus on no, you're actually doing really good. You're living your life. And yes, I have those moments. I still have those moments. I have tears almost every day at some point. It might be one minute. It might be, it's the, what sets me off is changing. But yeah, I think as women, as people, we just need to give ourselves some more credit through the difficult times in our lives that we are still doing our best. And whatever our best is in that moment needs to be celebrated. Oh, and I think that that's really important. I think the way that you worded that is, is, is perfection. Um, we do need to celebrate ourselves and whatever the best is, is for us in that moment. And we forget, I think as, especially as driven single women who have something, I feel like single women almost feel like that they have the pressure that they have to prove themselves more. So I agree. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but I, like, I, I'm a huge believer in coaching and therapy. And that is something that every coach and therapist I've had over the five years is trying to work on with me is the pressure I put on myself. Mm -hmm. I think, um, well, as a coach, I think it's, it's stemmed from a lot of how you were raised and from your childhood. And, and two, I think from what you've told me about your previous marriage, Yes, there's probably some like inner voices or some residue that's going on from that too. But I, as a, as a driven, independent, single, successful woman, I, I feel too, that sometimes we're, we are the hardest, you know, women, especially single women are the truly the hardest on themselves because they do feel like they have something to prove because of the label of single, like you and I have talked about that. And we don't celebrate our successes. 
because we're always looking for what's next, what's next, what's the, what's the next goal? What's the next thing that I need to be able to achieve instead of being able to be like, oh my gosh, look at all of this that I've done in this amount of time or under these circumstances. Um, so we do need to, we do need to do a much better job of celebrating ourselves. And I'm saying ourselves because I'm just as guilty of this. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I practice what I preach. I, if I have you doing exercise, you know, if I have my clients doing exercises, I promise you that I'm doing the same exercises so that I can keep bettering myself too. Do you, so tell, tell us a little bit more too about, so the podcast, so tell my audience more about your podcast and kind of how that came to fruition, where it's led you where you're at now. Yeah. So when my mom was first diagnosed with dementia, I was single. Um, I was driven in my business. I was trying to, you know, deal with lawyers and divorce and doctors and keep my business going and take it to the next level instead of just taking a step back and breathing. And an amazing colleague of mine said to me, Nikki, you are more than your volume. Like it Mm. is okay. And I just went, Oh, I am. I am more than my volume. Like there's so much more to me than my volume and my business and, and right. And so that was really big. I'm, I'm really lucky to have amazing friends and colleagues that have supported me through this. Like I never could have imagined, but going back to the podcast. So when my mom was diagnosed, I found my outlet was writing basically a blog on Facebook. So I would post and I would write what I was feeling, what I was going through all of the emotions and they would just come pouring out of me. And then I would hit post and it was so well received in the beginning. It was a lot of support and a lot of love. And then as time went on, I started to get personalized messages from people saying, Hey, can I share this? I know someone who's, you know, got a parent with dementia or whatever it is. And I'd love to share your words. And one of them was, um, nurse next door. So they're a, a national company that, um, I just happened to share office space with the local branch. So she was friends with me and she saw it and she said, can I please share this on our national page? Because your words are perfect and they will help someone. And I started just getting so many messages of how I was helping people because they could, they could feel what they needed to feel through my words and my expression of what I was feeling. And I started hearing things like you need to write a book and you need to do all these things. And I was like, well, when am I going to write a book? I can't do that. And so I let that stop me that I can't. And then I woke up one day after my brother passed and, and I continued with this. So I continued with my blogging through my Facebook personal page throughout my mom, throughout my brother. And sometimes, you know, I shared some really painful stuff, but again, the response was, wow, thank you for putting that in words. That's how I felt when so-and-so passed. Thank you for, you know, helping me find the words. Um, And I just woke up one day and went, I'm going to start a podcast. And that day I ordered a microphone and I looked up platforms and I hit record. And it's my way of, I mean, it helps me because sharing and for me, verbalizing what I'm feeling really helps me understand what I'm feeling and process what I'm feeling. So there definitely is, I don't like the word selfish, but there is a selfish element to it in that respect and that it helps me. But again, the response that I've gotten in terms of the people it's helping, and I love having guests come on and share their stories, whether it's around a label or around grief of losing a loved one. My podcast, it really has two themes. Either it's about a label 
or it's a guest um, who has lost someone and it's their journey with their grief and what they learned through their grief. And so there's, there's the grief and there's the emotions that go along with that. And then there's always that element of growth in everyone's story. And so again, by sharing, I just feel like if we can hear someone else's story and find one little thing in their story that we can relate back to our story and it helps us move through something, that's a win. Oh my gosh. And I mean, let's, I mean, grief is not something that we openly talk about. And I think creating a platform like what you've done, you've taken something that was so tragic and you've created something that is so beautiful that you can spread this not only of, of opening the dialogue and and creating a conversation with other people who have gone through this type of thing, but to create a space where people can listen and relate because just like single women, people who have lost, who are grieving also have like this feeling of isolation. Yes. And just like single women feel isolated. So grieving people also feel isolated. Like no one else can understand the type of grief that they've been through. Um, and it's not, you know, grieving is not apples to apples. My grief is different than your grief, which is different than her grief. And, but to still create this amazing platform where people can talk about it openly and then people can listen and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And it, yeah. and it also like validates their feelings as they're going through it all. Right. Well, it does. And I think the, the grief that we feel as single women is so incredibly real. So anyone that's gone through a divorce, hopefully they have taken the time to grieve that relationship, whether it was good, bad, your choice, not your choice, whatever the circumstances are around the divorce, the end of that relationship, there is grief for both people involved. And I can only speak as a single woman. And so I, I definitely grieved my marriage when I was still in it because there was a lot that I never should have let happen. Um, and looking back, you know, I can say, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Why didn't I do this? And I also had a therapist tell me to take the word should out of my vocabulary. He said, you could have left sooner. You could have, you didn't. And then you did. So celebrate that you did. And so again, it's sometimes just that sometimes that shift or that reframe that we get from a coach or therapist, but I also want to comment on the grief of being a single woman, whether you're a single mom or not, just around the label of being single as a woman there to me, there is some grief in there because there's this pressure that, well, why are you still single? Mm -hmm. Jeez, Nikki, I've been single for like five years. Why are you still single? And Mm -hmm. it's the implication there's something wrong with me. And so it's like, I'm grieving a part of me at times. Like, is there something wrong with me? Do I need to change? Like, is this me? Instead of looking at this and going, you know what, you spent 17 years with someone that said some really awful things to you regularly, and you need time to heal. And until, and I'm, I know not everyone feels this way as well, but for me, I really do need to heal. Otherwise, when I date, I get triggered. And in the beginning, when I dated and got triggered, I took it out on the man I was dating. Now Mm -hmm. I'm aware of my triggers so I can have an open conversation with if I'm dating someone and let them know, Hey, look, this was a trigger for me. This is how I'm feeling. I need to take a step back and work through this. 
or sometimes it might be, we need to work through this together, whatever it is. Um, but I've just learned for myself. I know that taking a step back is the healthiest thing I can do for me. And yes, it's been five years, six, six years now, I guess, geez. Um, and I'm still making that choice to step back and focus on me. I can, then I look back to my trip to Iceland and I'm still in contact with 90% of the women I met on that trip. Cause I, I go with a tour company that's for women, um, because traveling alone, that's my, my safety. And I did use the same tour company to go to Portugal and same thing. I'm in contact with the mom daughter team that I met there still. And we're going to get together. And I just saw one of the ladies from Iceland a couple of weeks ago for the first time since we went and met in Iceland. And so the, the relationships, the friendships, it makes it, I don't want to say it makes it worth it, but am I lonely I mean, of course, there are times that I miss having someone sitting on the couch with me at the end of the day. Again, have I surrounded myself with some of the most amazing men and women as friends? Yes, I have. And so the loneliness comes and goes because of the time and effort I've put into myself and loving and accepting myself and because of the people I've chosen to surround myself with. Absolutely. Uh, I did. So I, I've done, I did a whole episode on dating after divorce. And one of the things that I, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head that there is a grieving process that you have to go through when you go through the divorce, whether you wanted it or you didn't want it, it didn't matter. You're grieving the loss of something that you thought that was going to be amazing. You're grieving the loss of something that you thought that was going to last forever. You're grieving because of multiple other reasons. And when you become single, after you go through that divorce and you become single, there is like this newness to it. So it's exciting. It's new. It's a, it's something that you're like, oh, well now I can have all of these, you know, I, I can have, I can eat chips on the couch and nobody yells at me or whatever that is. Like, there's yeah. always those things where you're like, oh, well now I'm by myself and now I can do all these things. But when reality does sink in, there is this, there is a loneliness that's involved mm -hmm. with it. And we think that, you know, one of the things that I truly believe in it, and I didn't come up with this, I don't know who did, but you have to be your, your own best company in order to allow someone else into your life. Like you have to not be lonely with yourself. Yes. I, I, I remember when I was going through my divorce and it was a colleague and she had gone through a divorce and she said, Oh, Nikki, you were together for 17 years. It's going to take you a long time to heal. And I don't remember the, there was a formula and it was like six or seven years. It had something to do with the number of years you were together. And, and I've I'm heard that looking, before too. Yeah. Looking at her going, I'm good. And it oh, wasn't yeah. even a year. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm good. Now, six years later, I'm like, oh, I get the six years. It makes sense to me because as far as I've come, I know that there's still further that I can go. Yeah. And it's just this journey of knowing myself. And I also remember someone telling me, you have to date yourself. And same yes. thing going, now, why would I do that? That's silly. And now I look forward to my date nights with myself because I've gone to a movie by myself. I've taken myself out for supper. I've planned a nice dinner and movie on my couch for me. And I love it. Again, do I have moments where I would love to have someone to share that with? Of course, I'm human. Um, we need human connection. So mm -hmm. I have those moments. And again, I have great friends. So sometimes I'll reach out and say, hey, having a moment. 
Right. Right. One of my girlfriends during COVID, she came and she sat on the other end of my couch and she's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I just want to watch a movie with someone. Will you just watch a movie with me? And she did. She's like, yeah, this is like a night out for me too. And we didn't even talk. We put the movie on, we watched the movie and she went home, (laughs) but it was great. Yeah. I, I love that. You, and you, in your, uh, so you said something where I've, I've heard, I've heard that from women before, because, um, in, in all my years of coaching, I've had women that have gone through divorces. Like they're starting to go through a divorce and they'll come to me and be like, Oh my gosh, I found someone new. I'm like, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> like, yes. And she's like, but but the marriage was already long gone and over with, and I'm ready. I'm ready to be with someone. And I'm like, no, you're not (laughs) like, you got to take a step back, but they don't, you know, when you're in that moment, you, you really do think you really do think to yourself, oh, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I can totally date someone. I'm, I've been ready for this for a long time. I was, and I, same thing. I attached myself to this poor guy. Yep. I did the same thing. Right. And looking back, I'm like, it had nothing to do with him. It was just everything that I had been missing. And he filled some of those holes for me. So I thought it was the best thing in the world, but really it had nothing to do with him and everything to do with what was going on inside of me. And it, it took me two years of tears to realize that over Mm. a man Mm -hmm. and not my ex-husband. There, I mean, there were, there was enough of that. Right. But, and looking back and like, Holy, I was, I don't like to label myself as a mess, but I was a mess. I had no idea what I wanted. I had no idea what was going on inside of me. I had no idea what I felt. I had no idea anything. I was just getting up every day and living my life. And, and I always say that I was, I still am, but I'm aware of it now, but I'm a runner. So when things, you know, I, I run, I avoid. So I would go to every industry event I could go to. I would drink all the free booze. I would go on dates because someone wanted to take me on a date. Like I did everything I could to run from what I was feeling on the inside. Mm -hmm. And did I need to do that? Yeah, I did. Did I get hurt a lot in the process? I did. When I say, did I need to do that? I really try and live my life without regret. So how I look at that is I made a choice in that moment based on how I was feeling and where I was at in that moment. And I made that choice for a reason. So I can't regret it. I can say, I'm not going to do it again, but I can't regret it. And so I just now looking back, yeah, there's a few things. I, there's some choices I made that I shouldn't have made. I also wouldn't have learned what I needed to learn and be who I am today if I wouldn't have made those choices. So it's hard to get mad at my previous self Right. Choices. Right. Cause your previous, I mean, we really, we really do think that we're, we're acting in our best interest. We really do. We don't think that we're and especially, I mean, one of the things that I work with my clients is figuring out what their attachment style is figuring out. Um, and I know Nikki and I have talked about this before figuring out their attachment style, figuring out their love language, figuring out, you know, how there's, how are, what ways are you self-sabotaging? Not so that you can go into that next relationship and be like, what's your attachment style, but just so that you can see the pattern of your behavior and understand, because I think, especially when you're single and you don't have necessarily that support system as you're navigating and going through life, 
I mean, this is where coaches really coaches and therapists can play a huge part in it, but you feel like you're going crazy. Just like you said, like, you're like, do I need to change myself? Like what's, what's going on here? What, what is wrong with me? And it's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's that when you have more tools in your toolbox of knowing your behaviors and you can pay attention to them, you can go, Oh, just like you said, like I'm an avoider. I knew I was running like, but you don't know what you're feeling or thinking in that moment until you get ahead of yourself and you go, Oh, that's what all of that was. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting relationship with being single because when I'm single, I think one of the reasons that I have stayed single is when I'm single, there's no triggers. There's, I, I, I feel happy. I feel safe. Um, because there's no one to trigger something from my past. Whereas when I start dating something will, it's inevitable, something will trigger me and all of that trauma and all of that comes bubbling up to the surface and I, it still comes bubbling out. And so dating is hard for me because of that. So I find I'm at my calmest. I'm at my, I mean, happiest isn't necessarily the right word, but I'm definitely at my calmest and my most level self. My anxiety is manageable. You're you're comfortable. I'm comfortable. And I have a coach that recently said, well, it's great that you're comfortable. How do you grow? (laughs) Right. That's right. You're not going to grow. You have a good coach. I do. I hired her as like a business coach and she's turned into a life coach. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, last week, our whole, or the week before our whole, maybe last week, I don't know. I had this whole between Christmas and New Year's thing. Um, she really pushed me on the notion that fear is a liar. And so I look back, I was so scared to travel alone. I almost didn't do it, Mm. but my fear was lying to me. My fear was telling me you can't travel alone. It's not safe. My fear was telling me all of these things. And I just about didn't make it on that plane to Iceland. Like I really just about didn't make it on the plane. Mm. And it was the best thing I could have done uh, for where I was in that moment. All of it, getting on that plane, I remember I, I was, I had been dating a guy when I booked the trip and he kept telling me this trip was going to change your life. And I kept saying, no, it's not. It's just a trip. And I got back and we weren't dating anymore. And I was like, I just messaged him and said, you were right. This trip changed my life. Thank you. Mm. And cause he was really encouraging of me to go, mm-hmm. um, even though I was scared to death. And so fear has lied to me so many times in my life, not saying that fear doesn't serve a purpose because it does. And we have to be aware of when it's serving that purpose, but we also have to be able to recognize when fear is lying to us. So becoming an entrepreneur, deciding to leave my husband, going on these solo trips, all of these things. I mean, I was scared to do every single one of them and fear told me, you can't do this. You can't do this, but I did. You certainly did. And you, you had, um, after everything that you had been through, you, you knew your, you were on the road of understanding your worth, meaning your own admiration, time, attention, your own company. And that takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot. That is uncomfortable because that's not, a, that's not, that's not a usual space for women because we're always giving to everybody else so that you were to really being introspective and being like, okay, 
I really need these things and I need to be my own company and I need to pay attention to myself and love myself. And I deserve to take myself to, you know, to Iceland and I deserve to have these things that that's really, um, talk about growth truly. Yeah. And I I think a big part of it too, is, you know, with my mom and her dementia, I became her advocate Uh, I've now, I'm now my own advocate. So I have learned that it is not just okay. It is necessary for me to share my needs and wants. It's okay for me to have needs and wants as a woman. Not only Mm -hmm. is it okay for me to have them, it's okay for me to communicate them. It's okay for me to have boundaries. It's okay for me to say no. It's okay for me to, I don't have to apologize for saying no anymore. I can just say no. And I don't have to justify my no. Like I've learned so many things that we use the word empowering empowerment a lot, but these things have been empowerment is the only empowering is the only word to place on them as for what they've done for me, giving myself permission to have those needs and wants and communicate them, giving myself permission to have boundaries and communicate them and not just have them and communicate them, but to to stay, I still struggle with this, which again, is part of my problems in in dating still is um, holding my boundaries is still very difficult for me because Mm -hmm. in my experience, I've set a boundary and good, really good at setting them and communicating them, not so good at holding them. And so men, know that they, they, the men that I've dated, so not all men, the men that I have brought into my orbit Mm -hmm. have been able to recognize really early that I'm not going to hold those boundaries. And so they push and they push back and I either give in or I get angry. And so that's where I'm at right now is setting the boundary, holding the boundary, and then releasing them. If it doesn't work for them, that's okay. Releasing them and not being angry about it because I was my own advocate. Yes. And I, oh my gosh, boundaries with everything, boundaries with dating, boundaries with knowing your worth, boundaries with saying no, because uh, women have a hard time saying no. They say yes to dates when they should be saying no. Yes. Uh, because of the people pleasing, because they don't want to put any, you know, they don't want anybody to feel bad. They don't want to like <laughs> reject anyone. Yeah. We hurt ourselves. So we don't hurt other people. I have done that right. so many times in my life. And that's for me, that's a huge, I need that was a big, this has to stop. Yeah. Cause it, it's doesn't, I mean, to me, the way that I always, the way that I've always thought about it is that I would never want someone to say yes to me when they really wanted to say no. Cause that's doesn't, that doesn't feel like a good space to be in either to be on the opposite side of the table, as far as like being on a date with someone who really doesn't want to be there with you. Right. No, it's about being honest with ourselves and honest with the people in our lives, whether they're in it for five minutes or five years. And it's about effective communication. So again, this time that I've been single, it's been about learning how to communicate and understanding myself and knowing what I need to communicate and how to do it. Yes. And, you know, I, Nikki, if I can just one second, I, I do feel that when you've been through like everything that you have been through, I do believe that when you're vulnerable and you're open and you're open and you put yourself out there and you date and you do get triggered that if you are in the company of someone who cares about you, you can communicate that with them, that this is triggering and they can help you through that trigger too. It's just that you have to be ready to allow someone into that. It's not that 
Cause you're, you said it, I'm turning this, sorry for our audience. I'm turning this just in a little bit of a coaching moment. So it's not that, you know, cause you are a voider, right? So like immediately yeah. like you get triggered and then you're like, oh my gosh, I can either be more vulnerable and open myself up to, and then being like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think or say about it versus you calling the shots and just being like, nope, this is a trigger. I'm not going to deal with it. And so you just avoid it altogether. And that was definitely the old me in dating. If I was triggered, yeah. I'd be like, you're out. Yep. I'm going to go over here now and do my thing. And I was terrible for it. Whereas, yeah, now I am at a point where I'm starting to be able to open up and be vulnerable. Good. And it has been received by the last couple of guys that I've dated. Um, the boundaries part has been the biggest okay. hurdle still. Um, and I know that like, I own my part in that and I am a runner and, and I'm not shy to admit it or say it out loud. Like I will still run again. I'm aware of it. So I can usually catch myself. Yeah. And in my last relationship that ended, he actually accused me of running. And I, I was oh. very clear in saying, right. Um, it kind of felt like he used my words against me. Right. Which had happened a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and I said, actually, I, I am very aware of this choice and I'm not running. I am aware I'm making this decision because we are not a match. Mm, good. And I just, that was it. And it felt so good to be able to say, I'm not running this time. I am. I have done that before this time. I'm not running. We are not a match. I didn't explain why we weren't a match. I'd felt like I've done that. Right. Like I had, we'd had the conversation. And so, yeah, I didn't need to, I just said, we are not a match. And that was it. Oh my gosh. That's huge. Yeah. It was a pretty big moment for me. I'm not going to lie. That's a big especially just, yeah, just knowing who you are. That's yeah. That's a huge moment. Congratulations. Thank you. That's another achievement for 2021 right there. It is. It is. And I think, you know, being that your, your audience is single women for the most part, if there's anything they can learn from me (laughs) and share, share. Yes. And my dating history is definitely just know yourself, listen to your heart and trust it. If your heart is telling you something isn't right, you can open up and have that conversation with the person you're dating and gauge how they respond. But if your heart's telling you, you don't even need to do that, trust it. Yeah. And it's okay to end something and walk away and not have, and not explaining yourself. Yes. If it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And on the flip side, like you've said, and that I'm still working on is the being vulnerable. You Mm -hmm. have to be vulnerable and Again, clearly I've not mastered this yet, but my goal in 2022 is to continue to be vulnerable in my life Mm -hmm. and hopefully open that up to a man. Well, and I think your podcast is going to help you with that too, because it's going to continue. You're going to continue to connect with people and you're going to continue to open and be more vulnerable and keep sharing your story. And yeah, Yeah. I, um, I know that I know that love's there for you. I know it is. I know it is. Yeah. Um, so gosh. Okay. So, um, in closing, do you have, so for the single women, you kind of already said, um, just some words of advice, but for the single women who are like, when they say that they, that, um, they can't do they can't do this and they can't do this and they can't do this because they're a single woman. What advice would you give to her if she's constantly giving excuses on why she can't, why she can't go after her dreams or go after that level up her life because she's single? 
yeah, to use my coach's words, fear is a liar. So if I even flip back, what was, I wrote it down. Fear is a liar. This is from my session. Um, and to really dive into it, I had to write down what the fear was. So if it's travel, what's the fear? Traveling alone. I don't feel safe, blah, 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 blah. Well, I picked Iceland for my first trip, not just for the Icelandic courses, but because it's the safest country in the world. <laughs> so you can, once you've identified your fears and what's holding you back and, and you know, that I can't, um, there's a fear for me, there's always a fear attached to, I can't. So it's mm -hmm. identifying the fear, recognizing fear as a liar. And what would happen if that fear wasn't there? What would my life look like if that fear wasn't there? And then when I examine that, what does my life look like with that fear isn't there? What does that feel like inside, mm. like in my heart, in my gut? What does that feel like? Oh, that's what I want to feel like living my life. So fear is a liar. Remove that and focus on what your fear would, your life would feel like if you didn't have that fear. Oh my gosh. That's I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And if our audience wants to come and find you, where do they come and find you? So my podcast is life as dot, dot, dot with Nikki Pike, the dot, dot, dot is whatever label or topic I'm talking about. So life as a single woman, life as a divorced woman in her forties, all these different things that I talk about. Um, and so it's on Apple, Spotify, all the major, um, places for podcasts. And then I'm also on Facebook. Um, life is your labels. I believe I've I can send you the link. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> and same as Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's just life as your labels. I think it is too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it is too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show and we'll, we're going to have to do this again. I really enjoy, I really enjoyed this Nikki. So thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thank you for having me. And Kat was a guest on my podcast as well. And we talked about the label of being single. So we did. you can always we check did. that one out. It's going to be launched probably tomorrow. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nikki, and I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Kat. All right, my loves. I This is one of my most favorite things to do on the show is to bring these incredible women to you, to your ears. So a huge, gigantic thank you of appreciation to Nikki for having her as a part of the show. And if you want to know more information about Nikki, you can always click on the link in the show notes down below. It will take you to all of her links with Instagram, Facebook, and her podcast. So you want to make sure and go and check that out and give her some love because she's doing all the things. And if anything you take away from this incredible uh, interview is that if you ever say to yourself, I can't do these things or I shouldn't do these things, just like Nikki says, like push the fear aside and just go and do them, right? All right. Well, thank you again, my love. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And please make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hey, hi, please make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and click the bell so that when a new episode is uploaded, that you are the first to know. And if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, Hey, <laughs> please make sure to rate and review and subscribe so that every time again, that you are the first to know when a new episode is uploaded. And if you are on Instagram and on Facebook, come and follow me at Kat Cantrell. All right, my love, hopefully your new year's is off on the right foot. And uh, remember true love is waiting for you. And I will see you next time. Bye.